Tick, tick, tick. The clock continues to run, and recreational sales of cannabis in the Bay State are still being delayed by political red tape. Now, considering the Cannabis Commission is creating that red tape on the fly, it's really just a matter of time before the adult use market of marijuana launches in Massachusetts. So, how's that social justice initiative going? You know, the program that's supposed to rehab past weed offenders and give them an opportunity to enter the market. We'll talk with Donna Patalano, a Democratic candidate for the DA of Middlesex County, on this edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Welcome to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, now supported by Revolutionary Clinics in Somerville, where patient advocacy and education comes first. Rev Clinics continues to host weekly workshops at their Somerville location and soon to be open Cambridge Clinic. Rev Clinics provides the highest quality medical marijuana products in the greater Boston area. Rev Clinic staff pride themselves in offering the very best in customer care so that you, the patient, will be their first priority. You can find this podcast on the clnsmedia.com network, on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast networks. A video of this interview is also available on theweedtube.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, and we are so happy to have Donna Patalano in studio with us from Winchester, Mass. And you are, congratulations, you are going to be the first politician I've ever interviewed in my life. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to be the first politician. I can't believe I'm actually calling myself a politician, uh, but I'm thrilled to be here. You are running for office, so therefore I throw you under the umbrella of politician, but you are running for district attorney of Massachusetts. Well, district attorney of Middlesex County. Middlesex County, excuse me. See, I knew. That's why I don't do interviews with politicians. (laughs) No, I knew that, actually. I'm just trying to keep everything... uh, um, on an even keel, as okay. they say. Your experience is in the Suffolk County DA's office. How yes. many years were you down there? Uh, total uh, 12 years, but it was in two what I call tours of duty. Um, I worked first starting for about six years as a line ADA in the appellate unit, working on cases after the conviction was attained, making sure that it had been a fair trial. And then I worked for a number of years as a defense attorney and went back to the Suffolk County DA's office to take that perspective with me um, to build the first conviction integrity unit in Massachusetts. And that's the kind of unit that looks at claims of actual innocence. Okay. So I guess the question, the first obvious question, whenever you have someone who's in a studio who is actually running for public office is, why do you want this job, Donna? Uh, Well, I want this job because our criminal justice system is broken, Mm -hmm. and I want to be part of the solution to that. We have a justice system now that's infected with racial and economic disparities, and the fact that I didn't go to law school until I was in my 30s, I was in healthcare management, that I've worked as a prosecutor, that I've been a defense attorney, I want to take all of those experiences, which were meaningful uh, experiences, and bring them with me into the Middlesex DA's office to start the real hard work of criminal justice reform. Donna, you said that you think the criminal justice system is broken. Can you give me a few examples of where that might uh, kind of show me that, yeah, it's broken? Yeah, sure. And it's not that I think. I mean, I can tell you it absolutely is broken. A good example here in Massachusetts where we do so much so well, 
uh, we incarcerate black men at a rate eight times greater than white men. Here in Massachusetts, that's worse than the national average. Uh, For Latino men, the rate is five times as much. So at the end of the criminal justice system, we have this tremendous racial disparity. So I can tell you that the what is happening in the courtrooms in Massachusetts, in Middlesex County, something is going wrong. The problem is I can't tell you exactly what's going wrong because right now none of the district attorneys, none of the sitting district attorneys release any of the data about what's happening in the courtrooms in Massachusetts. So the person I'm running against, I can't tell you whether the kid from Lowell gets the same fair treatment as the kid from Weston. There's just no information about that. And if we're in a day and age when the criminal justice system should be the moral backbone of our government, and I really do believe that it should be, um, how can we know that it is functioning that way if it instead is a black hole? It seems to me data analytics is part of our world these days. I would think that if there is data... Somewhere in somebody's records, somewhere, we should be able to analyze that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, there is, you know, there is no way to fix the problem. You can't even start the conversation unless you have the data. I think part of it, though, is really that we've never demanded this of our district attorneys before. This is a race that most people haven't paid attention to before. And if we've asked anything of our district attorneys, it's that they be a law and order candidate and they just lock people up. And now, after 40 years of doing that, we understand that we're not any safer. We've spent tremendous amount of money on the criminal justice system system and on our incarceration. And we have these gross racial disparities in our justice system. And it's time for us to demand more. And, and that's why I'm running. Good for you. And I, I give you a lot of credit for that. And I wish you the best of luck. Um, one of the things about our criminal justice system, and in certainly in comparison to other nations, 60 Minutes did a great story about yes, Germany. Did. I saw that. And they believe in rehabbing their prisoners, not punishing them. Right. Now, as a parent, okay, we, we, we've taken corporal punishment away from parenting, pretty mm-hmm. much. We understand we don't want to hit our kids. We love our kids. There are other ways where they could get consequences for their actions and all that. Um, and so I, my question, I guess, is how challenging must it be to change a system that uses punishment as a tool mm-hmm. to uh, to try to deter criminals? And obviously, it's not working. Right. That's for sure. I mean, punishment has an, a number of different elements behind it. Deterrence is one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people do need to be punished for their criminal activities. Certainly the capital offenses. I'm going to yeah, throw that in exactly. there. Yeah, right. exactly. And, you know, I worked on homicide cases when I was a prosecutor. Um, and, you know, there are people I shared courtroom space with that I think should uh, be incarcerated. But part of what is happening now, and I really think this should have happened back in the late 80s and early 90s with, you know, the the um, problems with crack cocaine in the urb in the urban locations. But now we have the opioid crisis, and that's impacting people who look like you and me, yeah. uh, white suburban communities, right. and so people who are going out and voting understand that now, um, you know, drug use 
should not be stigmatized the way that it was. And substance abuse disorders, people who suffer from substance abuse disorders, should not be stigmatized. And that, along with, I really think, the Black Lives Matter movement, the um, the combination of those two things has led to a new conversation. And it's part, uh, you know, my campaign is part of a national movement to say we need to stop stigmatizing a lot of the uh, health crisis that we've been treating with incarceration. And let's give people good health care um, and, and get them out of the jails, because if we actually want them to be meaningful, productive members of society, incarceration is not the solution. And the other interesting piece of it is it's not just that it isn't the solution, but give me, you know, I'm obviously a bleeding heart liberal and have been my entire life, but give me a fiscally conservative, even Republican and and I'll talk tax dollars with you because it it really does not make any sense financially that we invest hundreds of millions of dollars, which we do right here in Massachusetts in our justice system, whether through the courts, the attorneys, the judges, uh, the uh, law enforcement, or the jails, and we don't look at outcomes. It just simply it it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. I'm shocked to hear that a state doesn't uh, has systems in it that don't make sense. I mean, <laughs> I am just shocked. That's completely strange to me. Um, but, uh, you know, we laugh about this, but it is a serious subject. And, it is. And, and cannabis is right in the middle of it. Uh, in November 2016, the state of Massachusetts, Commonwealth of Massachusetts, voted in legalization of adult use of cannabis. Mm-hmm. And while I just kind of summed up what the law is, mm-hmm. if you will, Man, do we have a bunch of gray areas to talk about. And again, it's an evolution of a new industry Mm -hmm. that a lot of people who are running it and in government have no clue on what to do other than to look at what other states have done and use those as a role model. And sometimes that's not the best example. But I again... It's not an easy job what the Cannabis Commission's trying to do. Right. And I know that a lot of people in this state are starting to get up in arms. It's like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why can't we buy it recreational? This is, you know, at this point, it's a relatively harmful, stu- uh, harmless substance. And sure, it's adult use, not abuse of a substance. Right. It is, they really are trying to start with a campaign in this state. Uh, dumbing it down a little bit and giving you the citizen, here are the rules, here's what you can and can't do. But the nitty gritty of it is, my goodness, you know, what are we going to do about it now? Um, From your perspective, Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly from a social justice campaign, I know that the uh, Bay State has tried to give those who have been incarcerated with possession of cannabis in the past an opportunity to get into the business. But a lot of people are calling that window dressing. What is your opinion of the I, the ideal of giving these people an opportunity, but the reality uh, of actually it having an, uh, an impact and actually getting introduced? Well, I, you know, First of all, I think not just for people who have been um, charged and convicted with possession of weed, but for anybody who has a conviction on their record, we should try to do absolutely everything we can to make sure that they're becoming a meaningful member of society, whether that's job training or health treatment, or I, I, you know, I really applaud the effort to make sure that some of, uh, you know, a portion of the business that's going to be created um, in in this industry is going to go to people who understand the industry, 
um, you know, regardless of the fact that they learned and understood it while perhaps it was a criminal activity. You know, when I took the, when I voted, um, you know, for the, uh, for the legalization of marijuana, it was probably the most self-interested vote I ever had because I had two sons who were in their late teens and I just couldn't see the difference between uh, my having, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not advocating for youngsters to have uh, you know, to, I understand. Um, but just the idea of, and my son was really uh, opened my eyes about this because I have to be honest with you, I, I'm I don't indulge. Yeah. Um. It's I I prefer a glass of red wine myself. Yeah. Um. But I would have to say that my sons are different than I am yes, on that are. on that front. And good and, for you as a parent, by the way, for giving them some respect rather than trying to lock them in their room and have them take a drug <laughs> test every week, which I know happened in the eighties and nineties. Let's yeah. just. Well, well, I will say, you know, my son, um, you know, I'm on the ballot now, but in 2008, my son supported a candidate who was talking about the legalization of marijuana. And I think that was right around what was the year that uh, less than a uh, possession of less than an ounce had been decriminalized. It may be. It, you know what? Was it I'm, right around then? I'm going to say right around then. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Um, I haven't paid that much attention okay. to it All over right. the years because I know that the amount that I did happen to carry around was for personal use. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Okay. <laughs> and I am, and I remember as a prosecutor I'm like uh, you know, learning the law at the time when I became a prosecutor, you know, if you're sharing a blunt with another person, that was considered distribution, you know, and that wasn't really what the legislators intended, right, when right. they passed the law. Distribution right. should be the sale of marijuana, not the sharing uh, between uh, friends. So I, I remember learning as a prosecutor about this and then, uh, you know, eventually having a, a teenage son, a college-age son, um, who was working for candidates who were supporting this. And he was politically active before I was. He knocked on doors before I did. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, and I'm proud of, of him. And I can't believe I'm actually following in his footsteps that way. But, um, you know, it's not to say that we didn't have issues when he was a youngster. Um, and that is, and I, I just want to be clear about that. Yeah. Um, and I would have the same issues if he had, a, if I caught him with a six-pack of beer, too. Right. Um, so that's a Because both, as we know, under 21, no one is going to sit here and say, we want everybody under 21 to have access to cannabis and to alcohol. Right. No. What we need to do is, in, is educate the parents on how to talk to their kids about alcohol right. and cannabis. Because guess what? First of all, parenting is the toughest job ever it created. Yes, we all you. get that Amen. if we've ever been that. And, and second, um, they're going to experiment on their own. Yeah. It is part of the growing up process right. and peer pressure and just the whole, look, from age 14 to age 21, they have to make decisions about what they're going, uh, who they're going to have sex with. <laughs> By the way, which gender? It doesn't matter anymore. Um, are they going to drink? Are they going to smoke? Are they going to try other amphetamines? And by the way, they also have to deal with the trust of the doctor. Yeah. And and I was just reading again about that criminal that's in jail that, about the U.S. Gymnastics uh, oh, Association right. Dr. and what ha and and they preyed on young people because they trusted the med medical people. And needless to say, that can't happen anymore. Right. And again, 
it has to do with conversation and it is about communication and it is a very difficult subject for parents to especially if they have no experience with either or their experience is strictly social with alcohol right when these kids drink now they drink to get drunk they do not have a glass of wine with dinner like they no. do in Europe, by the way. Yeah, no, I know. I'm. I mean, I'm a huge proponent for the idea of bringing the um, out the age to buy alcohol down to 18. Mm-hmm. I think it's ridiculous that it's at 21, mm-hmm. and right. I think that's part of the reason why we have binge drinking, Correct. like we do, because there's not that this you know slow social introduction to it. Instead, it's this you know the forbidden fruit kind of idea. Right. Um, but. Um, it goes back to punishment doesn't work. It just I, doesn't yeah. work. We can deter it, but it's imp- it's education. It's it is always education. about we, education and communication. Right. And there are things that, you know, we have to be sure that the education includes, like you cannot, uh, you know, get behind the wheel of a car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've um, indulged either in alcohol or uh, you've smoked, mm-hmm. um, you have to make sure that you are not putting other people at risk because of the activities that you've taken. And you know there there are there are a couple of things you know just to go back like i think sort of part of the learning experience for me was understanding that marijuana was not a gateway drug mm-hmm. and that was eye opening for me because that was the narrative that was really pushed maybe not for the last 10 years um, nope. but certainly before then it was it was definitely the narrative and yes. so as a person who didn't you know this was not my world mm-hmm. uh, why would i know any different and the fact that there hasn't been a whole lot of study um, about you know you you we were talking earlier about um medical marijuana mm-hmm. you know what are the um, dosages mm-hmm. and the fact that there there hasn't even been the opportunity or the funding uh, to do this kind of research because right. it's been deemed illegal right um, and so I think we still have a lot more that we need to learn but the education definitely has to be along the lines of you know if this is, if this is something that you're going to do make sure you do it wisely right. that you don't put other people at risk with what you're doing and um, you know, I, I'm. I think this is you know a whole new world. It is a whole new world, and yeah. it's a new industry. And and towns and cities and towns will benefit. Those who have opened their doors, I might add, will benefit from the tax advantages that the um, that is is available. In the Weeds is a podcast produced at the studios of Little Park Media in Wellesley, Massachusetts, for the listening enjoyment of our audience. None of the opinions or advice on this program should be considered medical advice or a substitute for seeing a certified medical marijuana practitioner or your local physician. All opinions and thoughts on this show do not necessarily represent the management of CLNS Media Group or Little Park Media.